Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, September 6, 2020. The Sheer ID numbers for Friday, September 4th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 15,282, that's 15282. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 15,283, that's 15283. This morning, A Vision for You presents Step 10, Continue, Continue, Continue. Step 10 states, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. The purpose of steps 1 through 9 is a personal transformation leading to a spiritual awakening. With step 10, the big book tells us sanity has returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. The big book also gives us a very clear warning. If we do not keep in fit spiritual condition, we will relapse. Our mental obsession will return. We will become insane again. How do we keep in fit spiritual condition? The process of looking at our character defects and our wrongs continues with this step. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Working step 10 means Adopting a way of life that requires continuous commitment and effort. The difficulties and the rewards of the step come from applying it to our lives day after day, month after month, year after year. Yes, we must continue, continue, continue. Joining us this morning to speak on Step 10 is Allison L., a recovered compulsive overeater from Ohio. Allison is devoted to our design for living and to carrying this message of recovery. And it's with great appreciation and delight that I welcome Allison L. to the line. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Leah. Thank you. That was a, a beautiful introduction. I was taking notes along the way. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, God really shines through you and your service, Leah. Thank you for being that example. I'm going to take just a moment, and um, God is here, and I just want to ground myself in that and welcome you all to do the same. Just a moment of silent prayer. Amen. I'm Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. I am so grateful to be here today, this opportunity 
uh, to be with all of you. I'm grateful that I have a recovery to speak about and that I'm no longer suffering today and grateful that I can offer hope to those who are suffering, that there's a way out. There's a way to live without the pain of compulsive overeating. Um, I want to do a brief introduction of my compulsive overeating history and my OA journey. Uh, I did a special edition in November of 2017. It was a longer version of my story, so I'm not going to go too in-depth, but I do want to express, you know, what my life was like before. I was a compulsive dieter and my weight yo-yoed through my life. I'm 5'6", and my highest weight that I saw on the scale was 218. I know it went up from there, but I stopped weighing myself. The lowest weight I saw on the scale was around 140, and once I saw that, I just began eating the way I wanted to, and it, it quickly shot up. My illness manifested as bulimia for a good portion of my life, and for um, Sometime I also used exercise to offset weight gain. And this is where I was when I came to OA. I wanted to stop running so many miles, but I was terrified of the weight I would gain because I, I could not stop eating. I couldn't stick to any kind of plan or diet. My disease had progressed to where my willpower was not, it was not even lasting a full day. And, you know, this was the only life I knew it was marbled through with the bedevilments from page 52, and, and those bedevilments began to increase in frequency, intensity, and duration as the disease progressed in my life. I've now been in OA for seven years and listening to A Vision for You for six of those years. My first three years in OA, I experimented with abstinence and the steps. I experienced some brief times of, of relief and and saw what recovery, what recovery could look like and feel like, but I was not entirely abstinent consistently, and I did not work and follow the steps as a way of life consistently. And so my disease progressed while I experimented. And I did not consciously know that I was experimenting. I felt I was doing the best I could, but I did know that I was holding back and not following all the instructions. And I reached a point Uh, where I was in pain with the food, and I also couldn't do without the food. And and then that point, I was not really living. I couldn't think clearly. I couldn't be present to anyone. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. I couldn't love my people the way I wanted to love them. And so I decided decided that um, I had to stop digging for a lower bottom. I was just digging to a grave that would never end until I got there. So I stopped digging. Um, And so I want to talk about um, how things have been different the past four years that I've been living in recovery and talk about my working and experience with Step 10. That's my focus for today. And I'm sharing my experience, strength, and hope as a student and practitioner of Step 10 and all of the the steps um, as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and no kind of expert on this, um, just a fellow practitioner with all of you. Uh, I want to quote from the big book, and I'll start page 84, the paragraph um, that begins, this thought brings us to step 10. This paragraph has the word continue in it four times, and the step 10 itself has continued in it. Um, So that's where the title for today came from. And continue 
It means to persist in an activity or a process, despite difficulty, despite opposition. And most of the opposition for me continuing to do step 10 work in my life comes from my own thoughts. No one stops me but me. And if I let up on this step, I will quickly be thinking insanely and behaving insanely and falling into relapse. I never graduate from needing step 10, and I know I won't outgrow needing it. I won't ever reach some spiritual bliss that permanently excuses me from resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, and fear, as nice as that would be. I don't believe that will happen. Um, and the only remedy for those things, the resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, fear, and the pain that they cause and the havoc they wreak in my life, for me as a compulsive overeater, the solution is are the instructions that get me back to power, capital P. Uh, lack of power is my dilemma. I need myself back to a grounded place in a source of capital P power, and it has to be greater than me. And I call my higher power by many names that are sacred to me. For today, I'll, I'll mostly be sticking to power or God uh, for simplicity. So the instructions start on page 84 for step 10, which means for them to be effective, I needed to be entirely abstinent and work through all the instructions leading up to that point. The instructions say we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we clean up the past. So to me, this means we begin doing the work of step 10 as we're making our amends. Um, and for me, after doing my fifth step, my sponsor got me quickly from there to doing 10 steps. So there wasn't time for things to build up after I had done the drastic personal house cleaning and sharing that, that were steps four and five. And for step 10, it's important for me to keep it, it simple and stick closely to the instructions rather than letting it become a, a spree of mental gymnastics or a cognitive festival of delight. Um, I'm instructed to do this step vigorously, so that's with effort and energy. And after that, it reminds me I've entered the world of the spirit, capital S. I'm to grow in understanding and effectiveness. It's not an overnight matter. It should continue for my lifetime. So for the rest of my life, I'm going to put effort and energy into watching for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And when they crop up, not if, but when, I am to ask God at once to remove them. I learned specific prayers and ways of looking at these things from an entirely different angle in the step four instructions in the big book. And now I apply those same instructions daily, um, one resentment or fear at a time when they rise in me. And my first action when I notice uh, dis-ease associated with them is, is not to make a phone call or sit and write a novel or try to figure out how to make it feel better. My very first instruction is to ask God to remove it. And I, I do this anywhere, anytime, no matter who I'm with or what circumstances are, I can always pray with my heart and mind engaged. Um, an example of this for me is when I'm traveling uh, you know, with my family, we're in our van, and I become resentful of something, you know, someone's doing or saying or something I just saw on my phone. I don't have to wait. I can immediately pray for God to remove this from me. And it can include the sick man's prayer. Um, it often does for me, and that's found on page 67. God, this person is perhaps spiritually sick like me. Help me to show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. 
And sometimes I say as I would a small child or newborn baby because honestly I'm not always very patient or tolerant with those who are sick. Um, sometimes I have to do 10 steps on people who are sick. Um, and then the prayer goes on, God save me from being angry and show me how to be helpful. Thy will not mine be done. So I have done this during dinners with in-laws, um, dinners with other people, while on family outings, during a class, on a Zoom call, anywhere. If it's a fear coming up, I say the fear prayer found on page 68, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be as I trust and rely upon you rather than on my finite self. Then as much as I'm able to in that moment, I listen for a response from God. These prayers for me are not a mental exercise. It's not effective for me to do it that way. Um, so it's not me thinking I know what I should be or what God wants me to be and what God wants me to do. It's me genuinely asking and listening. It must go, you know, for me, it must go from a, a head exercise to a full um, experience, head and heart involved. And asking God at once to remove it also brings me, you know, to step six and seven, what I learned. You know, am I willing to let God have this? Or am I getting an effect from hanging on to it? Am I playing the victim or the martyr, for example? That gives me an effect. So if I'm able and willing at that time to let God have it, or at least try to be willing and to say the prayers, um, then I have the seventh step prayer to say as I'm praying for God to remove whatever's blocking me from the power that I am in need of. And so about the word watch, we watch for these things. Um, and that's an active stance. I must be aware of what happens in me when I'm resentful, selfish, dishonest, or fearful. And I spent most of my life trying not to feel these things, to numb from them or distract from them or act out on them. Uh, and a lot of times I did that unconsciously. That was how I lived. So now it's been unlearning all of that and learning myself newly with these things to watch for. And it, it's been, you know, sometimes a long way shocking for me to realize that I didn't consciously recognize when I was resentful or fearful, um, especially, you know, in the early year or second year and sometimes still um, in my recovery. So then my next instruction is to tell someone immediately and make amends quickly if, I'm, if I've harmed anyone, simple enough. Uh, I shared a lot when I did my step five, and now I continue that. I keep sharing. So when I'm able, I let my sponsor or a fellow know about what this is that's come up. And here's where I typically include more of the process I learned in step four. I name and share you know, where I'm specifically being selfish, dishonest, fearful, self-seeking, resentful. You know, I name the parts of myself or instinct uh, that are being dinged here. Step four in the AA 12 and 12 calls these instincts natural and explains that the problem is that when they get touched by certain people or events, they become warped. And it also calls them emotional deformities. Something about that rings true for me. So to name them uh, can help me trace back to my core fear that's involved in whatever's disturbing me. Uh, for example, when I'm resentful at my husband for lack of communication, um, it affects my instinct of emotional security. And so then I can trace that to the fear that I'm not important, I'm not loved. And, um, and my caution here is that if I let this become a game of trying to remember all the right words and the right order to say things or to do things, then that, that becomes an exercise of my mind trying to solve the problem through doing things a certain way. 
Um, and the purpose of sharing these things is to clear away what's blocking me from groundedness in my source of power that solves my problem. And God has never refused to help me because I didn't say my 10th step in the correct order or name all the instincts affected appropriately. Um, it's a heart exercise. It's done with humility and honesty and vulnerability um, on my most spiritually fit days. Um, I do it in my humanness, not in any sort of perfection. Sometimes when I'm telling the other person about it, I will pray again while I'm on the phone with them. Um, and I'll listen again for what God brings to my heart and mind. You know, I ask for spiritual considerations from the other person, and I trust God to speak through them as well. And sometimes the feedback I may get might not land with me uh, well, but that's God too. I can learn either way. I learn from things that, that um, do resonate and don't resonate. Uh, and I then, of course, I make amends if there is an amends or apology needed. So the next line of instructions is paramount importance to me. Next, I resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. For me, this means I get my thinking off my problem, my feeling, my situation. I get out of the way so God can come in, sweep up, clean up, and begin answering my prayer to remove these things. Um, I'm thinking of someone else. Um, and for me, that, that usually is someone not involved in the original thing I was resentful or fearful of. So if I'm resentful of my husband, I don't go and turn my attention to being service of my husband. That keeps me too close to um, the problem for me. So most of the time I turn my thinking or helping to a fellow in program, you know, to hear their step 10, um, call someone and share experience, strength and hope with something they're working on in their spiritual life, um, serving at a meeting. Uh, I'm not able, I'm not always able to do one of those things right away. So at times I, I turn my thinking to praying for someone else or to groups of people. I've prayed for those suffering in their addictions, um, for those who don't know there's a solution. I pray for whoever God brings to my mind. And if the 10th step that I did is not related to my family, I'll sometimes turn my thinking to how I can be helpful to, to them. The opportunities to help my family family are certainly abundant. You know, I can read a book to one of my kids, listen to one of their stories about Minecraft or their pet fish or whatever is important to them. Uh, I make meal for my family. I can make a meal for my family and pray as I do that, that they feel loved and nourished by it. There are so many infinite ways to turn my thinking to helping another. Um, so that paragraph ends with love and tolerance of others is our code. Very simple again. Next paragraph, the promises, um, beautiful promises. And I can only experience these regularly if I do the work that's been explained regularly. And I want to focus mostly on the instructions today. So I'm not going to read through all the promises. Um, Leah read some of them. Um, I'm just going to say that I do regularly experience these promises. And I am neutral with food. I'm not white knuckling or avoiding temptation. I have sanity around food, and if something needs to change in my food plan or food begins to become a problem, I, I admit it and I make the needed change. That, for me, is sanity. And to not be fighting food for, for the last four years is a miracle in my life that I wasn't sure would be possible. I had to experience it to believe it. Uh, the paragraph after this um, is a reminder to me of all the continues that are in the instructions of Step 10. I'm not cured. 
I have this daily reprieve and it depends on maintaining my spiritual condition. And that condition is that I must keep unblocked and able to ground myself in the power of God. I must constantly be thinking and asking God for direction, guidance, and how I can best serve God. And that it takes practice uh, and, and unlearning the old way and relearning this new way. So what is God's will? And, and God, help me do it. Help me to be it, live it. Uh, the next paragraph says, if I do these things and pray these things and live this way, I will begin to sense the flow of spirit into me. I can, to some extent, become God conscious. And I do experience this. It's certainly not a continuous feeling or place that I reside all the time, but it's beginning. It flows. Um, and then we're told, keep going. More action is required in step 11. Suggestions then, of course, come next. So next, what I'd like to offer you is some examples of how I use um, and have used real examples of step 10 in my life. <clears throat> so in the fall of last year, my husband and I suspected and then had confirmed that our, our oldest son has a learning difference and it made it difficult for him to learn in a public school setting and uh, the type of help he needed wasn't provided by the school. It was, um, you know, a process for us of expensive testing, and we had to, you know, pay for that and then wait for results. And, you know, the more we learned, the more we realized and recognized that, you know, our two other sons uh, most likely have the same issue, and it may just manifest differently in them. So it was a lot to take in and process through, and there were a lot of 10 steps throughout the process. Um, but the one I want to focus on and share with you is, based around the fact that we decided it was best for our family if I homeschooled and remediated my oldest son's reading. And this was, you know, before COVID, before the changes in the world. Um, so this meant, you know, an entire shift in the focus of my days, my life, my lifestyle, my goals, my expectations, and, and on and on and on. Um, I, I had never really wanted to or planned to homeschool, let alone need to learn how to specialize in teaching a you know, specific area of focus. So I was and still, I'm still sure, and I was when we started that God was guiding all of this, that this was the path for us one day at a time. And I was calm and at peace and, and looking forward to the opportunity to work with my son and let him learn in a way that would be best for him. And then once the homeschooling actually began, I became resentful. Um, it looked like this when I would call someone and do the test. 10 step after I had prayed on my own, I would call someone and I, I did this more than once in varying forms. Um, so I would call someone and this is how it would flow. God, uh, please remove my resentment towards my son. He is a child doing the best he can. Save me from being angry and show me how to be helpful to him. Amen. Um, and so I would pray that on the phone with them. I'd probably pray it, I'd pray it before I would call them and then again on the phone. And then I'd share, you know, I'm resentful at my son for not wanting to do his schoolwork, for complaining and whining about it. This affects my personal relationship, ambitions, emotional security, pride, and, and there's fear involved. Um, my selfishness is I want him to behave in a way that makes me feel good. I'm not considering his wants, his needs, or capabilities. And the dishonesty involved is that I'm telling myself he's doing this to me. I'm imagining that it's me versus him. I'm telling myself if he were different, I would feel better and I would be better. 
And I also like to name the truth. I was taught that, and it's very helpful for me uh, to name the truth, which is, you know, in this specific case, he's doing the best he can. He is not doing anything to me. We are both adjusting to a new relationship between us and a new way of life. And I can feel and be okay regardless of anyone else's behavior. And then the fear, I won't get what I want, which is time to do the things I like. I'll fail as his teacher and mother. He won't learn. It won't be my fault. So then I pray, God, please remove my fear of failing as my son's teacher and mother. Please help me to trust and rely on your power and direct my attention to what you would have me be. Amen. And then I would listen. Uh, And God was gentle in this and directed me to be present in the moment, uh, to be gentle with myself and my son and stay with the next right thing day by day. Uh, trusting that I have what I need moment to moment. And, you know, this, when I received these things in my quiet after prayer, it was far more loving than if I had tried to think my way into what God would have me be. If I were just thinking what God would have me be, it would be far more perfectionistic and harsh. um, And that's not how God typically responds to me. Uh, This 10th step, it did come up a lot, and it still comes up in various ways and forms and situations, um, especially now that we've transitioned here to to homeschooling all three of our boys. Um, Most of the time I pray the fear prayer, the resentment, you know, sick man's prayer before I call and tell someone about it. Um, Sometimes with 10 steps, I will text them to my sponsor because that's a quicker way for me to tell someone. And then I do discuss it with someone on a call when when that becomes an option. Um, The first I do want to say the first year of my recovery, I had a daily call with with a fellow, and and that was an opportunity for us to share 10 steps with each other. And that was how I practiced praying, sharing, and receiving 10 steps. The daily commitment that we had and the space we set up in that call was so crucial that first tender year of my recovery. Um, And it's also been crucial for me to have a regular 10th step practice and share with others and build connections with fellows, um, you know, immediately along the way of my recovery. um, So that when big, scary life stuff happens, you know, I already have safe people. So what I'm saying is I didn't wait until something horrible happened and then say, oh my gosh, who am I going to call? I already had those people because on a daily basis, as I worked 10 steps, you know, they were getting to know me and I was getting to know them. So when the the really painful things happened, I already knew who I could rely on and share these things with. Um, And I'll say briefly about my experience receiving 10-step calls from other fellows. Um, It's helpful for me to listen and pray at the same time, asking God, how can I be helpful to them? And if something rises in me to share, if they ask for my feedback, then I'll I will share that. And if nothing rises, I don't have to say anything. You know, God's taking care of them, and I don't have to know what to say in response to what they shared. I just need to listen, um, bear witness. Um, And I learn and connect with God from other people's prayers and their experiences as well. And as I keep, you know, as I continue doing this spiritual work and getting down to what the fears are, Um, behind the things that disturb me, it goes deeper and uh, more is always revealed and and with that more gets healed. At times it feels like maybe I'm doing the same 10th step, 
But in reality, it's a new day, a new situation. And I'm, again, turning to God and seeking what I am to be as I trust and rely on his power in this new day. I know what maybe was directed for me to be yesterday, but that doesn't mean that's the same thing God's going to tell me to be or want for me today. So each time I resolutely then turn my thoughts to someone I can help, and God keeps the promise. You know, I commence, I begin uh, to outgrow fear each time. Um, with the homeschooling situation that I gave, that I gave um, the anger, you know, it's coming up less and less, and it's not as intense as it was those first days and weeks. Um, and I've learned also over time that step 10 is not a fix for a feeling that I don't want to feel. Step 10 often does help take away or lessen whatever pain I may be in, but I can't tenth step away sadness or, or grief, for example. Step 10's purpose and what it does for me is it keeps me unblocked from God. So I don't have to eat over how I feel or whatever events may be occurring in life. Um, so I'll give another example um, of step 10 for me. And this is also from, it's from around this time last year. Uh, my husband and I had our identities stolen. And the night that it happened, we lost the ability uh, to make any changes in our banking app. So we could see our banking app and we could look at whatever was going on. And whoever took our information, they were just draining our bank accounts. So we're watching the balance drop lower and lower, and it was late. Banks are closed. They had stolen our phone numbers, so we couldn't use our phones to call or text anyone, um, and we really couldn't do anything to stop it. And I was I was fearful and angry, and my first feelings were panic and and what are what, look at everything we're losing, and because I had been practicing step tens regularly for the for those first three years of my recovery up to that point, my next thought was sick man's prayer. I need to go to God. And so through tears, I prayed for the people that were stealing from us. I acknowledged they were sick and not living spiritually free and happy in their life because they were engaging in this type of behavior. So I was able to muster, you know, a tiny bit of compassion and pity. And I I prayed all through the night. Um, I was able to, you know, I had internet connection on my computer. So with no phone, I was still able to share somehow with, uh, you know, my close fellows and my sponsor. And over the days following that, as we tried to get our money back and rebuild all of our accounts and we were working with the bank and the phone company, I kept doing service. I kept my sponsoring commitment calls. I kept taking calls from others for their 10 steps or, or support and offering experience, strength, and hope. And not because I'm a great person. I did it because um, I have a design for living. And that design is for good times, hard times, all the times. Um, and I didn't have any thoughts of food being a solution to the pain or frustration or anger or fear that ebbed and flowed for, for the weeks following that incident. And through continuous daily working of step 10, you know, I grew closer to God. I recognized, you know, my dependence upon financial security needing to look a certain way and accepted the invitation through this uh, with God to explore uh, that with God. And, you know, as step 10 says, I'm to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And most, most of my growth seems to come with discomfort. You know, being at the edge of my comfort and dependence on things human is not where the growth actually happens. It happens, you know, over the edge when I'm falling and um, 
and waiting to be caught by my higher power. And it's scary and uncertain. And, and that's the world of the spirit for me. It's the mystery of God. It's not certainty of, of my mind getting to know everything. Um, as I practice step tens, I've come to realize that getting down to what the core fear is in me, um, what's, what the core fear is that's being touched um, in the situation, it helps me get to God faster. And it's at that point of vulnerability and in the pain um, and bringing God into that, that the shift begins to stir for me. Um, so, for example, with the identity theft, the fear on the surface was, you know, we're losing our money, security, we're not going to be able to pay for things the money was saved for. And as I stayed with the work of digging daily on step 10, you know, it went further. I was afraid of how easy it was for someone to penetrate our family. I was afraid for our safety, the safety of my kids. You know, if someone could so easily access our money and steal our phone numbers, how easily maybe they could just come in our house. So in naming this and, and staying with it, I, I was able to ask God. And, you know, when it comes up, I keep asking God to remove the fear, direct my attention to what I am to be as I trust and rely on higher power. And the response, um, you know, has been to trust God and, and that God will guide my intuition um, and that all will be well in the big picture that I don't get to know or see in my current human form. You know, God is infinite and, and as a human, I'm finite. My small human self, you know, I, I can't worry or eat my way to safety. The way of faith does take courage. Um, another example of step 10 for me is when I need to boil it down to what's really going on. Uh, what I mean by this is there are days when everyone seems to annoy me. I feel resentful at what everyone around me is doing. And doing a 10 step on every one of those people and incidents may be helpful, but far more helpful for me is to pause and ask God to show me what's really happening. Am I fearful of something underlying my life? Am I resentful at events of the world or fearful for the future? You know, am I fearing a loved one getting sick? And when I can address what's really lingering in my unconscious or just below the obvious events that are irritating me, uh, then I can get to that tender spot that's being poked. I can go to God again in the vulnerability stance of leaning on this power greater than me. I can pray, listen, share, amend my behavior, and serve others. And this is the way of life that works for me as a compulsive overeater who doesn't have to suffer from that illness today. The first paragraph that we read said, you know, I'm now living life on a spiritual basis. And having worked the steps in an ab in abstinence, you know, I'm now able to experience God and life from an awake awakened spirit perspective. And step 10 helps me take that awakened spirit out into the world, into my daily normal life, um, not just in my quiet meditation time in the morning. You know, once the kids wake up, you know, step 10 helps me take that into my world, my daily normal life. Um, and helps me keep grounded in, you know, thy will be done, God, not mine. So next, I, I want to talk about some of the thoughts that cross my mind about not doing a 10th step. Um, as I said earlier, you know, my mind is the only thing preventing me from doing this necessary spiritual work. <clears throat> so one of the reasons, one of the things I tell myself about, you know, or that unconsciously happens for me is, you know, 
uh, I don't need to do this 10 step. You know, this resentment that I have, it's really not logical. So I try to talk myself of admit, out of admitting that I'm resentful or fearful. Um, an example of this, you know, I'm resentful of my dog. Um, it doesn't make sense to resent a dog. It's just a dog. This was one of that came up for me a few times before my last dog passed away a couple years ago. You know, I resented the messes he made or the needs he had. And, you know, when I admitted this and prayed for God to remove it and dug into what the fear was, I saw that I was fearful of my dog dying and that I would have to make that decision. And this allowed me to pray for God to remove it and to turn my reliance back to God, to trust that if a decision needed to be made, I'd be guided and not be alone in, in that grieving. So then I could share it with another and turn my attention to helping someone else. Um, you know, and if I had let myself just be um, convinced that, you know, it's silly to resent a dog, I never would have dug that into that and, and come back to trusting and relying on God. Um, another reason um, that sometimes uh, goes through my mind why I don't need to do a 10 step or shouldn't do one or um, is um, I just did a 10th step on this. I should be over it by now. And this one, this one's a death trap for me. And it, it when I, when it, when I feel that thought go through or recognize it, it lights a fire in me to get to work on it. Um, and if I, if I think I know when I should or shouldn't be beyond something, then I'm thinking I'm pretty powerful. And through the prayer and listening and naming of the instincts that are out of whack, you know, I can keep looking at what God is inviting me to. It's more healing, deeper relationship and reliance on, you know, the one who has all power. So regardless of if I just did a 10 step on it, um, I do it again. It's a new, new situation, new day, new moment to get back to God. Another uh, thing that comes up for me, I don't know who to call and share it with. Um, this came up a lot earlier in my recovery um, when I was building those relationships and, and why it was so crucial for me to set regular calls with people, um, you know, have maybe those calls lined up at least one a day. So if a 10-step came up, I could share it with someone. Um, I was more likely to share it if the call was already there and that it was already for that purpose. Um, and I found these people by making outreach calls. I looked up names on the Vision website contact list when I heard them share, if I was drawn to or, you know, related to something they shared. And then I'd ask for names of other recovered fellows. You know, who do you do 10 steps with? Any names you can recommend? And, you know, I had to get uncomfortable in making those calls. It's not comfortable for me. Um, and I made a lot of calls. And honestly, if I had to make, you know, 200 calls to connect with the 10 people that God had planned for me, then it was, you know, well worth it. Um, it was helpful for me to keep a running list um, of people who I had talked to and what, you know, if they said they would be okay with me calling them for 10 steps. Um, so that in the moment of confusion or uncertainty, you know, I can go to my list. I know um, who I can call. I don't have to try to recall it while I'm in that state. Um, and similar to not knowing who to call is, you know, I don't want to bother anybody or it's late or it's dinner time, you know, trying to predict what everybody's doing. Um, so, and I don't get to decide that for others if they should or shouldn't answer their phone. My next right action is to ask God to remove it, tell someone, and then turn my thinking to who I can help. I keep repeating that because it's simple and it is the process and it's um, what works for me. 
Um, any seeming complications that come up are, are my diseased thinking, not truth. Another reason um, that, that can prevent me or try to prevent me from doing step 10 is I don't have this all figured out yet. I don't exactly know what the resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, or fear even is. I'm just irritable or pissy, and I don't know exactly why. I talked a little bit about this before. Um, everybody's bothering me. So for me, the solution for this is praying for guidance, for clarity. And I can call and ask someone for help sorting through it. You know, I make these type of calls. I get these types of calls. And by asking a few questions, it can usually be narrowed down to what, what is really the fear going on, what's the, you know, what's maybe really um, – touching on these on my on my instinct and then you know again i can pray listen amend it um apologize and and turn to thinking of someone else i can help um another thing that crosses the mind i just did one similar and god directed me to be you know fill in the blank whatever i was guided to last time and so i'll just focus on that um so well i have learned that god's very creative and when I pray and listen, I get new answers and more is revealed. I can't rely on the work I did yesterday or assume that God's got nothing new for me. So it gets run through the process again um, and, and see what, what really God would have me be in this moment. Another chance to listen and connect. Um, one more that I'll talk about. This is the infamous, I don't have time. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to call. I don't have time to turn around and give service. So I just can't do it. And here, this is where I remind myself, God did not make too hard a terms for those who seek. And, and step 10 is seeking God. And there's always a way. I can pray mentally um, and with my, my heart engaged and uh, address it more when the time does open up. You know, I can always go to the bathroom to pray, text, um, and then Pray for another person and, and then get back to thinking about those around me um, that were keeping me so busy I thought I couldn't do it. Um, and I'll be able to more, more fully focus on them and not just be thinking about my stuff because, I, I, you know, I just dropped it off to God. It's in capable hands, um, and, and now I can, I can move along. Um, there are, of course, many other fleeting thoughts that try to keep me from doing the spiritual work of Step 10. Um, and a, but a lot of them fall under these umbrella reasons that I've, I've listed. And, you know, despite anything, I continue, I continue, I continue, and I continue to get back to God through these simple instructions. Um, and I continue working the spiritual program day by day so I can have a continued awakening and connectedness. You know, that's my, my medication. That's the solution to the severe pain and the death sentence that is compulsive overeating for me. Um, and, and I see this um, work that I do, the way that I live, this design for living as I practice it, you know, I see it affecting my family um, and rubbing off on them. And not because I'm trying to teach it to them or, or preaching it to them or anything like that, um, but just because they see the way I live, the way I respond, um, the way that I no longer live. You know, my husband saw me both in my disease and now in recovery, and he sees the difference. Um, 
and uh, just the other day, you know, at, at dinner time, my, my son repeated a prayer that he had said, heard me say for something that's affecting our family. And it was just one of those moments where, oh, wow, you know, um, for me to recover, 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 and continue, continue, continue is such a gift for my family. It's, it's more important than anything I will teach him in homeschool. Um, it's just for them to see me living it out. Um, with that, I'm going to pass and, and open for questions. Allison, thank you for this beautiful, illuminating, and instructive presentation on Step 10. Thank you for sharing your personal insights and uh, rich experiences with this process. Greatly appreciate your service this morning. Allison's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will indeed now transition to a question and answer segment. You can ask a question by pressing star 1. Of course, I'll need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Naomi B. Sam S. Sam S. Pam M. Pam M. Jason K. All right, we'll get started with this group. Naomi B. Go with Thank you. Head. Mm -hmm. Allison, thank you very much. Your presentation was amazing. But the one question I had, and I just wanted to have a little clarity with this. Okay, so it says, um, let me see. Okay, here we are. Uh, when these when these things crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. So in doing a step 10, say my daughter got me all irritated for something like that. But if I go to God and I tell him what had happened and I feel a peace about it, do I have to go any further as far as, you know, um, to call, discuss it with someone immediately and, and so forth? But if I take it to God at first and ask him for a peaceful outcome, and I feel at peace, and I feel it resolved. Do I have to go any further? That's a great question, and one that is helpful um, in simplifying matters. And my experience with this is that um, a resentment is to refeel something. So if I feel it in the moment, I pray, I ask God to remove it, and and I. And it's gone. I'm not refeeling it. Um, for me, a, a resentment is I, I pray, I ask God to remove it in that moment, and it's still there. It's still lingering. I keep coming back to it. I'm thinking about again what happened. So that that would be my response. If it worked and God's taken care of it, you know, I'm I'm not the boss of how God works. So that's great. Thanks, thank Naomi. you, thank you, my friend. Your presentation was excellent. Just what I needed this morning. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Naomi B. Sam X. Your turn. Thank you, Leah. And thank you, um, Allison, for your service. Um, Allison, I was wondering if you could talk more about asking God um, what he would have you be versus do and identifying what God would have you be instead of maybe more of a diligent, you know, I need to be this, I need to be that. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Sam, for that question. Um, this is a, a, a practice for sure, and listening for God's voice. Um, 
you know, in the beginning, I think what I would hear would be simple things and it would be, you know, repeats of what, you know, maybe the big book directs me to be loving, kind, patient, and tolerant. It would be those kinds of simple things. And, and the more that I listen, um, the more that that, you know, expands and grows. Um, and if, if I can get, you know, a feeling or, or a word that God would have me be, then that can direct the things that I should do from there. And a lot of times um, the response that I get back is that God would have me be present in the moment that I'm in. And that, that guides what I do because then I do the next right thing in front of me. Um, so if I can get first to what I am to be according to God's will, then that can then inform what I am to do. And of course, I ask God for direction and guidance on what I am to do um, in certain situations. And that's where I ask for intuitive thought, direction, guidance. But um, in step 10, you know, when I ask for the fear to be removed specifically, I ask what I am to be and then and I listen. And I'm sure God speaks to everyone very differently. Um, and that's just my experience. So thank you, Sam. Thanks, Sam S. Pam M, your turn. Hi, good morning, Allison. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, so I am walk, walking a sponsee through step 10 for the first time. And I was curious to know um, a few things. One is um, how do you know when they are um, ready to start receiving and uh, listening to other people's step tens. Also, um, do you share your step tens with your sponsees? Um, that's it. Thanks. Well, thank you, Pam. Um, as far as when someone's ready to to hear and receive a step ten. Um, Something that was very powerful for me in my um, experience was once I had done my fourth step and my fifth step, I had someone who was recovered call me and say, oh, well, you've, you've done steps four and five. May I share a, a tenth step with you? And I got to listen and just hear um, her tenth step, and I learned so much from that. So I think um, when someone can hear a tenth step is, um, is up to the person sharing it you know, are they comfortable sharing with someone, you know, who is just beginning to make their amends list? Are they comfortable sharing with someone, um, you know, who's made some of their amends? Um, I think that would be um, my guidance. And, you know, I really enjoy calling people who are, you know, newly recovered or in that state of they're working their amends. They've been through, you know, four or five, six, seven, eight, you know, they're right in it um, and sharing a 10 step with them so they can, you know, hear what my process is and, um, and the other, uh, I forget the second part of your question. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that, Pam? Oh yeah. It was, um, how do you ever share your 10 steps with your sponsees? Oh, with sponsees. That's right. Um, I share with them not, at the time, I wouldn't go to a sponsee to, to do a 10th step, but if a sponsee is going through something and I've done a 10th step that relates or is similar, then I would share that experience. 
Um, but I don't, mm. I don't go to sponsees to do a 10 step initially. That's, that's just, you know, been my experience. Mm. Mm. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pam. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. Jason K, your turn. Hi, good morning, Jason K. Um, uh, I like what you said about continued 10 steps, and maybe you'll see something more, but these 10 steps that come up again and again, would you be willing to go deeper into that? Like, how do you handle them? Do you go to six and seven for some willingness? Do you go to amends to make a change in behavior? Do you go to 11 for praying for a change? Um, so uh, continued, repeated 10 steps, if you could talk more. Thank you. Yeah, great question. Thank you, Jason, for the opportunity to share a little more on that. Um, and the answer is that I rely on guidance from my sponsor and fellows on the ones that keep coming up. Um, and and I, you know, with the fellows I share them with and with my sponsor, you know, they're able to help me see is there is there spiritual progress um, in the area? If so, you know, then then obviously God's doing some work because I I don't get to decide when God removes them. Um, maybe there's still more to learn. Um, I've handled them in multiple ways. Um, I've dug deeper in them um, in prayer and meditation. In outside help, I've dug deeper in them, which can be helpful. God uses, you know, all kinds of resources. And um, I, I right now, currently, I have um, two that just kept coming up. They were a running theme over the past year, and they would ebb and flow. Um, and so I, with my sponsor, am going back to step one with these two particular um resentments and, and fears associated with them and, and you know, working step one around them and step two and so on. And I actually just, um, you know, did uh, this step writing and reading and prayer and sharing with my sponsor on those two particular issues. So I think um, we can be guided by the fellows around us and what God, you know, intuitive thoughts God brings on, on how to move forward when if it feels that we're, we're stuck or something is is not quite um being removed i hope that helps thanks jason thank you jason k i'll let everyone know the share id for today's presentation 15295 that's 15295 who else has a question this morning for allison no, Sajay. Loretta H. Loretta H. Daria S. Daria S. Cindy L. S. Kathy K. Kathy K. Jordan P. Jordan L. Who'd I miss there? Dana P. Cindy T. Jordan L. Got you. Cindy L.S. Yes, Cindy L.S., I have you. Dana P. And Dana P. Okay. We'll begin with Nosa J. And then Loretta H. Thank you. Nosa J., compulsive overeater. Thank you so much um, for this. I really needed it to hear this. Um, I was just wondering, do you ever have days where you're like, constantly going through this 
like you're always, you know, something comes up, you're giving it to God, then you're calling someone else, so then, you know, you just keep going all day long. For me, I don't know. That's all I got. Thank you. (laughs) Great question. And the answer is yes, I have those days because I'm human and I have hormones and I have all kinds of stuff going on like everybody else. And um, there are just days um, where it seems that I'm I'm doing the 10 steps and sharing and, and, you know, serving and and maybe I'm just in some kind of spiritual funk or um, in a mood and, um, you know, I guess over over some time in recovery, I've learned that um, sometimes the next day uh, I wake up feeling completely different and it's just, you know, not every day is going to be amazing. Uh, not every day am I going to have that uh, uh, conscious contact that's, you know, spot on. Um, and so it is just sitting with the discomfort of not always feeling great. Um, and, you know, I, I go through the work and I pray honestly and and listen. And and then I wait for God's timing um, and sit in my discomfort if I need to and keep doing the next right thing. So, yes, I have those days. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you, Nosa J. Loretta H., followed by Daria S. Thank you, Leah and Allison. Your awesome, powerful share was just enlightening, revealing, and just I'm going to take it in my day-to-day. I'm so grateful that you shared. My question is, you shared, and I of the same caliber, I always feel like I'm bothering people with 10 steps. And you shared something about doing a 10 step with a person that you've made a list, you have names. Do you do all of them at one time with that person or do you make different appointments during the day with these people that you have the 10 step on your list? I just wondered what the procedure is. Am I making any sense? I hope I am. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I don't typically have uh, like a lot at one time. Um, and, and what I mean by that is if I'm resentful at multiple people um, in one instance, um, I take a look at there's if it's one situation and I'm resentful at multiple people, what's the underlying fear there? And I will go straight to that fear and I'll name the resentments of the people in doing that 10th step, but I don't treat it as like, you know, multiple different 10th steps, I guess. And I don't let them build up. So if, you know, um, if it's noon and I've already been, you know, resentful and fearful two or three times, I would have already handled those by noon. So I don't typically get to a point where I have multiple 10 steps to share, um, certainly not more than two or three um, and, and that's rare. Um, it's usually a one at a time type of thing for me. Um, I think a lot of that does come down to getting to what's the core fear, what's really going on. Um, if there seems to be multiple ones coming up in a very short period of time, for me, there's usually something going on. There's an underlying fear of something, you know, coming up and that's what it's really about. And that's what I can get down to. So, I hope that answers your question, and I think whatever works for you as far as, you know, sharing them with 
you know, all with one person or, or sharing them with multiple people, whatever is, um, is most effective would be, you know, of course, my suggestion. Thanks. Thank you, Loretta H. Daria S., followed by Cindy L.S., and then Kathy K. Hi, Daria F., a compulsive overeater. Allison, what a beautiful share and what a, you know, what a beautiful summary of the importance of the 10th step. Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, you mentioned something, and I wrote this down, the tender moments of the first year of absence and recovery. And you were talking about how important the 10th step was for you. Can you provide a little more detail around that? Thank you. Absolutely. Um, the first, for my experience with the first year of recovery was that um, I had no idea how to live in recovery. And so it was very tender. Um, I, you know, it was kind of, I was a nervous, um, you know, a little bit more nervous that first year of, you know, oh my gosh, is this, is this a resentment? Um, am I going to relapse if I don't call someone right away? You know, like these were the things that, that went through my mind. I was unlearning, you know, how I'd lived my whole life and how I lived in, in relapse and how it didn't work. I had to let those things go and I had to learn a whole new way of living. So that was, you know, uh, a, that's why I say a tender first year. Um, you know, there were still amends I was making. I was still new at process. I was still building fellowship um, with people. Um, there was, you know, just just a lot to learn and um, in that first year. And so that's why I say, you know, the process of 10 steps was so important that first year. It, it would have been easy and had been easy for me in um, and not in recovery to just not do it for some of the reasons I said, you know, that would come up. And, um, you know, I didn't want to, I knew that living in recovery was going to have to be different. I was going to have to have regular 10-step calls and regular contact with other fellows. Um, so that's why I say it was so important, especially that first year. And it continues to be important. Um, however, that first year, it, it was crucial. I Had I not had a regular opportunity to do 10-steps, you know, I, I can't imagine I would have stayed in recovery if I had been searching each day for someone to talk to or um, unwilling to, to do the 10 steps or un, unwilling to admit I had a 10 step that first year. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Daria F. Lynn, um, Cindy L.S., followed by Kathy K. Thank you, Allison, for your for your very helpful share. My question is, how do you know what what or when, what God's will is, and when God's will would be for you to intervene in a situation? Um, I think to know about the intervening in a specific situation, I would need a case by case type of you know, more information for that. Um, but as far as knowing what God's will is for me, it's through prayer and meditation and, and um, spiritual consideration from other fellows and learning to, to trust my intuition and run it by others. And, um, and then building on seeing that, you know, when I do that, 
um, I, I learn from things that may have been mistakes, or I see that, yes, that was God's will, but um, there's a prayer that says, you know, God, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know the road ahead of me, um, but I trust that my desire to do your will um, does, in fact, please you, something along those lines. So I keep that in mind. My intention is to do God's will, to listen. Um, and so I have to believe that my, my um, working of the steps, my intention to do God's will and really truly listen for God's will and be rid of, of selfishness and, and ego, that, um, that that is, in fact, doing God's will because God doesn't make too hard of terms. Again, um, there aren't a lot of hoops to jump through. It's, it's um, just the next right action. And, yeah, I hope that that um, answers it for you. And, again, with intervening in situations, I think I would, I would need to know or there would be more questions or more specific um, situational answers for that. So thank you. Thank you, Cindy L.S., Kathy K., followed by Jordan L. Uh, hi. Thank you, Leah, for your service. <clears throat> and thank you, Allison. It was so wonderful to hear you today. And you reminded me of... Um, a question I've had for a while now. I'm sponsoring two women who are homeschooling their children, and um, uh, we've recently gotten through to step 10 um, and 11, and the response has been, my gosh, I can't do this every day. How can I possibly... Um, do a nightly review every day and also 10 steps during the day, um, it, it feels overwhelming. And I'm wondering if you ever make a choice to um, let go of the nightly review or postpone a 10th step until the evening, um, just how you keep both of these steps strong in your daily practice. Thank you, Kathy. Good to hear your voice this morning. Um, God bless those homeschooling moms working their program. It is not easy. Um, it is not easy, and yet it is possible and simple. Um, Simplicity, I guess, would be my first response. Keep it simple. My mind tells me, oh, it's so complicated, um, and it's it's really not. Like I said before, I can pause and pray at any point in time. You know, um, I can go to the bathroom and pray. So there's always a way to do that part of the 10th step immediately. The sharing portion of it, maybe I do need to wait until there's a break or my kids are doing something else that to be able to share it with someone and turn around and do service. Um, but there is a way. Um, my nightly review for step 11, I can't sleep if I haven't done that. I just am not comfortable enough to fall asleep if I haven't prayed and listened and, and done my nightly review. Um, my, I would feel kind of like unfinished in my, in my day and unable to sleep. So, um, yeah, I always do my nightly review. I think only a handful of times in four years have I saved it for the next morning even because I just, um, that's just me. 
um, needing to do it before I go to bed so I can wake up, you know, fresh slate. Um, and as far as like how to do it, when to incorporate it, it's day by day. I don't have to know how I'm going to do it tomorrow. All I have to know is in this day, um, you know, if something comes up, I trust there will be a moment for me to pray and ask God to remove it. There will be, you know, a pause somewhere in my day or I can make one happen by giving my kids something to do and saying, you know, mommy needs five minutes going and telling someone about it then resolutely turning my thoughts to someone I can help and at some point doing that service or help um, acting it out. And again, this comes back to Naomi B's question. Not everything, not every irritation I have throughout the day is going to need to be a formal 10th step. You know, perhaps in the moment I feel an irritation and I can pray for God to remove it, uh, direct my attention to what you would have me be, you know, just pause and breathe a moment. And then I don't think about it again. I don't feel that again. I'm not re-feeling it. So, you know, perhaps I don't need to call and tell someone about it and, and do service, you know, um, or make an apology for that. Um, it's really not a lengthy, drawn-out process. Um, and again, staying right now in this moment, this day, is what really helps me. Because um, if I start thinking about, I don't know how I'll do it, you know, tomorrow or next week or next year, I, I mean, I don't have to know that. So that's God's job. That's not my territory. So, and please give them my name and number. Kathy, I'd be happy to talk to them if it's helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy K. Jordan L., followed by Cindy T. and Dana P. Jordan L. Star One Time Mute. Okay, now I got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, good morning, guys. Um, thank you, Allison, for your presentation. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I really appreciate you talking about um, avoiding the 10 steps um, because I know that that was something that I struggled with my own recovery. Um, and I've also had uh, multiple sponsees come to me and tell me that they struggle with it as well. Um, and it's sort of this idea that now we're recovered um, and we shouldn't be feeling this or we shouldn't be experiencing this irritation um, with whatever it is that's going on. Um, so if you wouldn't mind speaking to that a little bit, um, and telling us um, if you struggle with that at all, and, and maybe what it, what what action you are able to take around it. Oh, great! Thank you, Jordan, for an opportunity to to speak more to this. This is something that um, again made the first year of recovery so tender, is because I did have these ideas about what recovery was supposed to be like. So any time I felt. Um, I don't know, anything. I was like, what's wrong with me? You know, what am I, am I still even in recovery? I, why am I so angry? You know, I had this idea that in recovery, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever get angry or I'd be just peaceful and Zen and connected all the time. And that's just not reality. So the first year was learning, um, you know, what it really feels like to feel these things, to have natural human emotions coming and going and, um, and what that what that re, re, what that reality is. So um, 
it comes up less and less because I'm, you know, I'm learning to, to, to feel things and to be uncomfortable um, and, and getting comfortable. Like, you know, the example of the identity theft, my second response was, oh, I need to pray the sick man's prayer. It wasn't like, what's wrong with me for, for feeling this way? It was, oh, okay, it's natural for me to feel this way. And now here's what I do next. So I, I hope that is helpful. It really is um, practice and talking to other people and being, you know, humble and telling other people what I'm going through instead of fearing they will judge my recovery um, based on what I'm feeling or thinking. Because then I find that they're human too and um, that I'm not alone. Uh, brings me back to that connectedness with others, which gets me back to connectedness with God. Thank you for that opportunity, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan L. Cindy T., your turn. Cindy, star one to unmute. Okay, let's move on to Dana P. Good morning, Dana P. in California. Thank you so much for your share. Um, Formulating and reformulating my question um, because you're kind of answering it as we go along. But um, I am new in recovery. My question to you is if I do a stupid thing or I say a stupid thing, of course, that's judgment. Um, I resent myself, and I'm beating myself up around that, um, recognizing that there is some fear. And so I will be saying the fear prayer. Um, And I don't even know if that's a question or if you could speak a little bit more um, to that. What do you do with resentment uh, toward yourself and past? Okay, great question. Thank you. so when I do a 10-step on something like that, I do it as a fear. I, I I don't remember a time where I've named like I'm resentful at myself because what it really is is I'm afraid. I'm afraid um, that what I've done, that I'm bad, that other people are judging me, I'm, I feel guilty or I feel shame, um, and, and I'm upset with myself, of course, for, for doing that or saying that, um, but it really is fear. That's the core of it. Some instinct of mine is is really out of whack and and i'm i'm fearful and so i do the 10 step on that and if it's really really painful um you know that's where i pray and i breathe and i remember that uh it's not just about that day or that moment or that situation and i try to zoom out and remember there's this whole big world and this whole big god and it's bigger than you know what this person may think of me or or you know what amend i may need to make or you know um i i tend to if i get a microscope on something then the sun comes through and starts burning on it and i'm on fire <laughs> so if i can zoom out and remember um there's more than just this um then i can i can feel it but it doesn't have to consume me in that flame so, um, so yeah, and 
um, spiritual teacher and that I listened to called it the second arrow of, um, you know, first I feel something or I do something. And then second, I beat myself up about it and shoot myself with the arrow. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm trying to practice not doing that. If I'm feeling feelings of judgment or, or saying negative things about myself or those thoughts come as they do, um, then I can, um, you know, con- be aware of them and, and say, no, thank you. You know, like, um, yes, perhaps I, I shouldn't have uh, done that, or I think I shouldn't have done that. But what can I now learn from that? Um, because it's part of who, you know, who, who I am today and what, what has happened. So let me now um, invite God into it so that I can move forward from it. And um, yeah, that was a, a lot and a little bit all over the place. I'm I fear so, Dana. If you have more questions, I would be happy to talk to you specifically. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Dana P. We have time for a few more questions related to Step 10 this morning. If you have a question, star 1 to unmute. Sima M. Sima M. Anyone else? Hi, this is Sandy V from California. Sandy V, is it? Yes. Okay. Anyone else? This is the final invitation for questions. Hi, it's Sophia. Sophia J. And Sophia J. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Let's begin with Sima M. <clears throat> Good morning, Allison. Thank you for your uh, lovely explanation of Step 10. Um, I I still am confused. I know Step 10, the way you've described it, but the nightly review, which is part of Step 11, I don't understand. If I've taken care of everything there is during the day, uh, is Step 11 just what I haven't taken care of, what comes to me before I go to bed at night, oh, I didn't take care of that? Or is step 11 everything that's already been dealt with during the day? That's a great question. Um, For me, this gets into like process and thinking about things and trying to do things the right way. Um, and, And so for me, what matters in my nightly review is that I touch base with God I ask what God would want me to pay attention to, and I um, and I listen and I dig in and I, I you know review my my day and you know um, and yeah see is there are there things that I missed what does God want me to pay attention to, and I don't relive anything um, that isn't coming to the forefront. So yes, if I was resentful in the morning and I you know I'm not. A lot of times by the nightly review, I can maybe remember that I called someone about something or I remember that I was resentful and and maybe the generalities of it. But a lot of times I don't even remember the details of it and I'm certainly not re-feeling it. So I I don't need to necessarily put it in my nightly review, especially if I've shared it with someone. God already knows about it. So um, the nightly review for me is, uh, you know, like like last night I got, got you know, to doing my nightly review and realized there was something I had prayed about a couple times in the day. So obviously I had refelt it and yet I hadn't shared it with anyone. And so I, I addressed that in my nightly review and I do share my nightly review, um, you know, with some other people. 
so with some other fellows. So it gets addressed there. So for me, it's about what gets me back to God, not that there's a right or wrong way to do that because, you know, God works in whatever ways God wants to with each of us. And so I think whatever is most effective and keeps it simple uh, is, is what's best for each of us. I hope that helps. Thank you, Sima M. Sandy V, followed by Sophia J. Allison, I want to thank you so much for your heartfelt share. It really cut to the core of me. It was just such a blessing. My question is, have you found that um, writing out your 10 steps in combination with also um, when you haven't written it out and going to God or another member, have you found that having a combination of the two is um, helps you to go deeper into your um, healing and recovery rather than one or the other? Mm, thank you uh, for bringing this up. I did not talk a lot about writing because, honestly, it is a tool that um, I don't use a lot when I do 10 steps. Um, it's just because it's, it, it's not... Uh, it's not extra helpful for me to do that. So it's about what's effective. Um, and I know a lot of people really, that is writing it out really works for them. It really helps them get to it. And that's not the case for me. So that's why it wasn't a lot mentioned, you know, a lot in my share. There are times, like I said, with, you know, these 10 steps that kept coming up that I'm going back to step one, I have been writing on each of the steps with these particular ones. And if there's one that's particularly painful or I need to dig in deeper, you know, sometimes I will write them out. But on a day-to-day -day basis, um, that is not part of my practice or, or what um, I've needed to do to um to do a 10 step. So again, if it's most, if it's helpful and effective, then please, you know, that gets you to God, then that's what you do. And um, it's just not part of my regular everyday 10 step practice. Thank you for that. Thanks, Sandy V. Our final question for the morning comes from Sophia J. Hi, thank you so much for your wonderful qualification speak. I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Um, very good qualification, um, especially on the um, talking about the tenth step. What's your name again? Is it Allison? It's Allison. Thank you, Allison. Thank you so much. Very good qualification. That oh my God, especially talking about the tenth step, and I really got it when you uh, said it's your, uh, you know, your uh, plan of your um, plan of living, you know, uh, your guide to living. And it's, uh, it is for me, you know, I can't, uh, I can't be recovered without living in a cesspool in a test So my question to you, when I first got abstinent, which was back in 2018, I had zillions of 10 steps. I mean, a million. I was, I was, uh, right minds out is more effective for me than call it because I get off track and start talking about something else and and, and so uh, writing it out keeps me on focus with the tenth step on what's bothering me. But did you notice as you got more and more recovered as time went by, did your tenth step lessons 
you know, did they get less in a day? Or did, because I, I asked that question because I had one sponsor to tell me that she was going to drop me for sponsoring me because I wasn't sending her enough 10 steps. But honestly speaking, as the years went by and the more recovered I got, things that bothered me before I got abstinent uh, or at the beginning of my abstinence was not that intense as my recovery grew, as my dependency grew greater to my higher power, you know, and not, you know, and less to self-reliance, you know. So just, that's my question. Is, did you, I mean, is it the certain amount of 10 steps? I mean, are, are you okay with, uh, if you don't have any 10 steps for a day or or some days you have many? Okay, thank you. Oh, thank you. That is um, excellent. Um, to bring up as well, because yes, in you know first year of recovery, as I said, I had a call set up with another fellow so that um, I could share because most days there was something to share, multiple things to share, and so um, and because I was learning how to to live um, in in this new recovery and feel things and was unsure um, you know what I was supposed to be feeling and and what was really going on what was really the fear, you know, causing certain reactions or whatnot, it was so important um, to to have that because, yes, they came up daily, uh, multiple times a day that first year. And then they began, they did begin to lessen. And I think that the lessening wasn't because maybe I don't have as many, but because I'm, I'm learning and have hold more awareness around, um, you know, boiling them down to what's really going on. So I'm not doing, you know, 10 steps on on a lot of resentments of people around me throughout the day because I've realized if I'm resentful, you know, at my husband and kids during the day, there's probably something else going on. There's probably something I'm afraid of um, or, you know, uh, an instinct, you know, for emotional security that that is is um, hurting. And so I think um, I'm getting to those things quicker, which can help it seemed like I don't have as many 10 steps because maybe they're, they're deeper and not the surface level things um, that seem to be going on. So yeah, right now, you know, uh, in my life, there may be days where um, I may pray uh, about something that, that will irritate me. Um, And then, you know, as I said earlier, maybe it's just gone and, and I don't do a formal 10 step on it. Again, it's about getting to God. So if it, if I'm, in touch with God, and um, then maybe I don't do a 10-step prayer, but I have calls with fellows every day, regardless of whether it's a 10-step or not. I always am in touch with fellows every day. Um, So, yeah, there may be those days where, um, and I have good days. You know, I said there's bad days, but I have have good days where, you know, I'm feeling pretty good, pretty spiritually fit and peaceful, and not a lot bothers me um, for that day, so may not have any come up. So I hope that answers it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sophia J. Thanks to everyone who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Allison, for your time, your service, and this very thorough and enlightening presentation on Step 10. It will be quite a gem in the archives. Much appreciated. We're going to close. If I oh, let me remind everybody, share ID fifteen thousand two hundred and ninety-five. That's one five two nine five, and we will close from 
page 164 in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. You will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.